This is the Canucks Central postgame show. Myers will play it up the wall on the backhand, out to center for Brock Besser. Left wing into the Chicago zone, shoots, he scores! Besser off the rush, fires it up high past Peter Morazic, and the Canucks strike twice in quick succession. Suter got it free on the forecheck to Pedersen to the slot with a shot, deflected off the stick of Gutman and wide of the goal. Now Suter back to the line, Myers tip, they score! Myers got the shot free, McKayev deflected at home in the middle of the ice, and it's 4-2 Vancouver. With instant reaction from the players and coaches. Bedard with speed to the Vancouver line. And his stick lifted by Owen and came loose, they score! Cole Gutman! With a wrist shot for the top of the right circle, and Chicago gets a power play goal to cut the Canuck lead to one. Have your say on the official home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Canucks with a 4-3 win on the road against the Chicago Blackhawks, and this is the Canucks Central Postgame Show on Home Air Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network, presented by the number 5 Orange. It's Seth Shaw with Big Nazar. We are going to bring in Randy Janda into the conversation in just a moment. Get your thoughts into our Dunbar Lumber text inbox, 650-650. You can also grab a phone line, 604-280-0650, or toll-free, 1-888-275-0650. Uh, Bick, before we get Randy into this one, the Canucks, a very successful back-to-back weekend results-wise. Three out of four points, which you'll take. I mean, back-to-back early games, one in Minnesota, one in Chicago today. This Chicago one is a game you feel like you have to get against the team with the worst record in the National Hockey League. They got the two points. They got one point against Minnesota. It wasn't pretty, but does that matter when you get three out of four points? If you wanted to be inspired by the performance, you probably weren't. If you want to be inspired by the results, that's what you should rely on here. It's two points, they, they have to clean up a lot of stuff. But the thing is, at least they've shown here recently that they could have a inspired performance. Uh, I, I'm not overly worried about this one. Back-to-back, you're traveling, all that sort of stuff. I get that it's Chicago, but they played better against Tampa. They played better against Florida. They showed that they can turn it around. Uh, now this is points in, what, six straight? Yeah. I, I know there's going to be some criticisms, and they're valid and fair on tonight's performance. Uh, but for me... Two points, three on this road trip so far, doing pretty well. Randy, uh, what are your thoughts on how the Canucks performed tonight and ultimately being able to get another result? Yeah, you're not sending that game tape to the Hall of Fame, that's for sure. It's not one of those games where you're going to be super proud of uh, every minute of the game. But I kind of echo those thoughts, right? Three out of four points, uh, two tough games, uh, especially for the body clock. And yeah, we can't use that excuse that often, but... It wasn't pretty, but against Chicago tonight, or today, guys, it's just a a game where the first period was not good, right? Mm -hmm. They come out of that period tied 1-1. They give up a goal early in the second, and they do enough for the rest of the game. So I'm okay with that. You know, you still get the results. This is about figuring out and refining your game as you go on the rest of this road trip and the rest of the season. Uh, so the results are what I'm interested in right now. But, yeah, Nashville's going to be tougher. You can't play like that against a team like Nashville that's been playing quite well over the last couple of weeks. Dallas, we know what they are. Uh, you can't play against them like that as well. So um, I'm sure Rick Tockett, especially after that first period, was not happy. Even the way that we've seen this team lock it down in the third period, this third period was not that um, so, yeah, there's a couple of things that they got to learn from this game, move forward, and make sure that they correct for Nashville and Dallas. Yeah, that's the thing, Randy. It, it, like, obviously, the, the 
performance has to improve and the effort has to improve. It'll be interesting to see what happens in Nashville because uh, at least here recently they they've shown that they can uh, turn it back on. But if it was like that one win, one loss, and the efforts were rather inconsistent as well, uh, then then it, it's it's more cause for concern for me. Totally, and I, I'm with you know before the game sat, we were talking about just ideally you want to be in a situation where you. You bully this team, right? That didn't happen, but you still get the the two points. That's the most important thing. Well, to be fair, and Randy, I like think, bullying yep. them when you're probably going at fifty percent and still coming up a win, like that's sure. that's a certain level of bullying too. No, no, perfect. Like in an ideal circumstance, is what I'm saying. Yeah. Is you want to like you know want to be in a situation where you, you you're tossing this team around. That doesn't happen, right? And that's um, I think there was also part of Chicago that. They got embarrassed in the last two games. They were outscored 11-2. to Luke Richardson was not happy with their compete level. They brought a little bit more of it, and the Canucks were not up to their 100%, you know, kind of the, the, the style of play that they want, the mm-hmm. maybe the the finish and just the, the details in their game were lacking. So when you combine both of those things, not a perfect win, but the win nonetheless. And, guys, that points percentage, um, you know, it's a marathon, right? We can... Look at these little details in the game, and I look at the positives. I think, you know, Pew Suter in that second period especially, um, with that Patterson line, the middle drive guy, there was a couple of good opportunities, aggressive on the forward check. Um, Connor Garland had a good game. Uh, it felt like he was used as a spark plug whenever they needed something, whether it was on that third line or bumping up from, you know, a couple of shifts with the JT Miller line to get a little bit something else. So there are some things to take out of this in terms of positives as the team, you know, pick up the two points most importantly, but a couple of individual performances you're saying, okay, wait a second, there is there is something here, there's some positives uh, in addition to the two points. Well, and if you kind of look back at um, how they played through the this past little stretch here, that game against the Minnesota Wild, the 2 nothing victory to start off the stretch of six games with picking up points, five victories and one shootout loss against Minnesota uh, yesterday mm-hmm. afternoon. They, they shut out the Wild 2-0. They played a great game against Carolina. They had some moments in the third I didn't like, but I thought they played solid against Carolina. Against Tampa Bay, I mean, I thought that was pretty complete performance. Against Florida, yep. a 4 nothing win. I mean, they were up 4 nothing in the third. They had a great start to that game. Because some people are texting in and saying, well, this team put together a complete performance. They're not going to go far in the playoffs by having bad starts. And I don't disagree that today's start wasn't good. Yesterday's starting against Minnesota wasn't good. But those previous four games leading into this, I thought they had been playing fairly well. So, so I would be careful into... Uh, projecting what we've seen in these two games versus this p- previous stretch, because I do think this previous stretch has kind of been them getting back to their identity and, and playing more stingy hockey. It just was a bit uneven this weekend, but they still got three out of four points. Totally, guys. In 32 games this year, they've scored the first goal 20 times, and they've won 16 of those games. Uh, so that's telling you something that generally they do have a decent start. The last two games, their skating legs have not been there. But I think those two games against the Florida teams really showed us that, hey, when they play quality teams, uh, they have delivered recently. So, yes, it's a little disappointing because you expect against Minnesota, a team that fired their coach, you want them to be better. Uh, that was a flat game for both teams. They pick up one point. In Chicago, that's the worst team in the NHL, but you still pick up two points. Overall, you got a six-game point streak here. So, you know, I think one of the important things for this season is going to be keeping an eye on the long game here, right? Can you refine? Can you tweak as you go here? And, you know, one of the things that we've heard is if you're tired, if you don't have your 100% game, do you still find a way to win? Do you still find a way to, you know, play composed hockey. They didn't have necessarily all of that tonight. I think, you know, the second period was something that was good, but the first and third they won't be happy with. But, guys, they picked up the two points. And overall, over those six games that we're talking about, I think, you know, especially the ones that meant 
you know, Carolina, a team that's expected to be in the playoffs. Uh, preseason, a lot of people had them for the President's Trophy winners. A uh, Florida, that's a finalist from last year. They're a tough team to play against. Tampa, we know what they are. Uh, those results mean a lot more to me than, you know, a couple of games early on in the day that clearly players are, are out of sorts a little bit. Uh, and for that measure as well, I'm looking forward to the next two because I think those mean more. Uh, okay, does this team step it up in those matchups where you don't have the excuses of the 11 a.m. start or a noon start anymore? Rather interesting. Uh they didn't strain Hughes and Roenick in this spot, 23 minutes each, uh, 23-57 for Roenick, 23-13. Now, I think that's inflated a bit because Zadorov goes out as well. But you, you think, all oh, right, the, the minutes were dispersed so evenly everywhere for the team. Um, Lafferty finishes with, with 9.33. Hoaglander gets 9.53. Uh, Nils Oman gets 8.42 because Manko just crests 11 minutes. It, it's not as if everyone got their like full share of minutes in this spot. No, and you know some of those numbers are kind of surprising because you did notice players out there a little bit more. I think um, first period, let's be honest, the, the entire team was flat, and it's hard to say you know anything good about that other than the power play goal. But as the game went on, you started to notice a few more players, maybe on the four check with Niels Hoaglander. But looking at that number, uh, nine fifty three, uh, not much ice time there. I think on the back end, though, one guy that got a lot more ice as this game went on with Zadorov being out, but. Uh, it was Ian Cole, right? Once the door mm-hmm. off went out, he was taking all those minutes. And I thought um, early on in this game, pr- playing pretty physical, uh, took a penalty in the neutral zone. But outside of that, pretty clean. Uh, there's that one goal. He kind of gets lost in no man's land uh, versus Felino, which is on the on the PK. Maybe trying to be a little aggressive on Bedard, which um, is you're trying to take away that shot and you don't block it. So Felino's all by himself. But guys, when you look at the ice time, I thought the defense. Um, played pretty well. I, I, it was overall like it was a scramble in their own zone, but there's certain moments in that third period, just simple plays, good sticks that, that I liked out of Noah Juleson's game, who got 17.04 when you start talking about ice time. So a little bit more balance. Um, it wasn't a clean game, but you can tell who the coach is trusting late in games. Even with Lafferty at 9.33, late in that game, two shifts, one with the Pedersen line, one with the Miller line. So even though he got fourth line minutes, in the final two or three minutes, there's some important shifts that he's being leaned on. So situationally, um, a little surprise there, but that does tell you what Talkett thinks of Sam Lafferty late in games as a responsible player. He certainly does, and it's one of those things where there's real trust there with him. And you know, one thing that we were kind of also keep track on here, and we spoke about this on the pregame show, was how does Pew Suter fit in with uh, Mikheyev and Pedersen? And hey, Pew Suter got an assist. It's tough to really come away with you know th- these great, um, I say, takes on how guys are training or how they're playing but it looked like Pew Suter alongside uh, Pedersen and Mikheyev fit in really well and, and they probably were Canuck, the Canucks best line tonight or tonight this afternoon here here I am saying tonight don't worry I'm doing yeah. the same thing Sat. I'm, I'm with you man I'm this is throwing me off I did hockey night last night and I am just like lost between night and day myself yeah uh, but when you talk about the Suter line um I thought they were much better in the second period. The first period was a bit of a write-off for the entire team, 5-on-5. Didn't have a single shot on goal. But a couple of things I liked about his game. Um, A little active on the forecheck, you saw that. There was an opportunity he had just being that middle drive guy, right? We've heard Rick Tockett say, hey, when PD's got the puck, I want guys to to drive the middle. And it was a good opportunity. They didn't score on that play, but it showed you kind of the, the, the variation or the variety in his game where... On that goal that Mikheyev scores, he's battling behind the net, winning the puck, goes out to Myers, ends up getting an assist on that goal that Mikheyev tips in. Uh, Another opportunity where he is that middle drive guy, creates an opportunity, but just there's 
so much you know to like about his game it's understated at times and we're not even talking about him going into the the blue paint which is something that he's capable of doing as well so I liked it. I don't know necessarily know if it's going to be anything that sticks because as we've talked about with Phil DiGiuseppe in the top six, as we've, as we've talked about with Sam Lafferty, it's you kind of ride the hot hand and then you see how long it goes. Until then, uh, you might have to experiment a little bit more. You might have to take the blender out. Uh, but Mikheyev picking up a goal, Pedersen on the power play, Suter you know, helping set up that Mikheyev goal. I liked it. Uh, let's see how they do against Nashville if talk it sticks with this line. If I told you uh, that Tyler Myers, uh, after tonight, was plus 13 on the season, would you believe me or not? I believe you. This is a uh, Tyler Myers, not only plus you know the number that you mentioned, but guys, this is going to be his highest point total if he continues at this pace since 2017-2018. That year... He had 36 points, and he's kind of like right below that right now. So two more assists tonight, um, you know, using that shot. And what I liked about both of those points today was very different, right? Uh, Hoaglander plays it around and basically rims the puck, and Myers passes it forward. Good play by JT Miller in the neutral zone, sets up the Brock Besser goal. But working in his own end, making a quick decision to get it out. That's the first assist. The second one, just a heavy shot from the point. So, you know, defensively, there's been a lot of discussion of, you know, the chaos giraffe and all of that stuff with Tyler Myers, but I've really liked the way he's played this year. When you push him down further down the lineup and you have a, a, a partner with him that is allowed to, you know, handle the puck a little bit himself as well, uh, it makes Tyler Myers' job a little bit easier. He's got that edge that he occasionally plays with as well. And offensively, guys, he's he's playing well. I, I really like Tyler Myers' game further down the lineup. Once you elevate him, that's when he's probably seeing the ice a lot more. But even today, 1841. And I know it wasn't a tidy game from the Canucks, but offensively, guy's getting his numbers. No, he certainly has been. And, you know, as long as you're able to produce that, that makes obviously a huge difference here. Um, you know, we talked about the the, the defense and how uh, the minutes were kind of moved around a little bit. But Nikita Zadorov got a game misconduct for uh, fighting after Elias Pettersson got hit. Now, the hit was very clean. Like, it was shoulder to shoulder, yeah. nothing dirty. Pettersson just happens to fall down. And I know people were texting and says he always falls down. He falls down easily. And, you know, Zadorov takes the penalty, gets a game misconduct. The Chicago Blackhawks get a power play and they score. I'm all for protecting your star guys. But one thing that I don't like, and I've criticized the opponent about this. I mean, I was ripping on the Leafs about this. We're going mm-hmm. after the Canucks or after a couple of clean hits and taking themselves um, off even strength and being being on the PK and the Canucks making them pay for it. This is one of those situations where I'm, I'm all for protecting your star players, but you probably wiser got to be a bit wiser than uh, what Zadorov did now hey it didn't cost them ultimately they win this hockey game against a better team but you open the door for the comeback and you put your team shorthanded yeah. not just on, on the clock it's now they're gonna play 15 minutes with five guys yeah so what did you think of that entire sequence yeah in the moment i thought it was like i like to see it right i'm call me old school hockey it, it <laughs> i like to see a, a player standing up for their their teammate however as you mentioned, you got to know the situation, and it goes to four three. And the Canucks were their backs were against the wall. This that goal gave Chicago confidence. That goal really, you know, gave them an opportunity to get back in this game. So overall, even though I like that that style of hockey and hey, standing up for your guy in the situation, you got to maybe take the foot off the gas a little bit to say, hey, that's where a situation where at least Pedersen's got to, you know. Eat that hit, and that's okay. We're, we're thinking about the two points. Now, that did remind me of earlier on this year when Noah Juleson 
the Canucks were on the power play, and I forget which one of his teammates, might have been Quinn Hughes, who ends up getting hit, and he drops the gloves and negates the power play, and the Canucks are unable to get back in that game. And it was kind of like the moment that the Canucks were were waiting for to go on the power play, and what happens? Uh, it, it it's done, right? Um, so yeah, you got to be you got to be better with that. But I'm not gonna lie. During the game, I was like, "All right, big man standing up for his teammate. Uh, if they kill that penalty, it's not an issue. They didn't, and it looks bad. So uh, you got to be smart. And in that situation, it could have burnt them. Luckily, it didn't. No, the Canucks come away with three out of four points this weekend. And Randy, great stuff as always. We look forward to chatting with you on Tuesday when the Canucks continue their road trip in Nashville against the Preds. Awesome, boys, and uh, enjoy the uh, Sunday nighter tonight. Yeah, we'll do our best. Uh, thanks so much. That is Randy Janda chiming in. Uh, keep getting your thoughts into our Dunbar Lumber text inbox, 650-650. You can also grab a phone line, 604-280-0650, as we continue here on the postgame show. And, you know, Bick, um, we have a lot of reaction. Uh, Tyler texted in and says, you know, I think uh, the Canucks score first sometimes, but they have actually haven't played well to start games. Like, what's going on there? So, yeah, I mean, they've had some games this season, but so they didn't start well yesterday. Didn't start well today, but against Tampa, Tampa scored in the first shift of the game. After that, the Canucks took over the first period, like mm-hmm. dominated the rest of the period. They ended up winning that game 4 nothing Against Carolina, the previous game, it was maybe their best first period all season. I mean, they absolutely hemmed the Carolina Hurricanes in their own zone the entire first. I mean, they were all over them. The Canes came alive in the third, but that was pretty much all they were able to do. Against the Florida Panthers, I thought the Canucks were fantastic to start that game as well. I mean, they were full value for taking the one nothing lead. So I agree that, hey, these past couple games... But I'd be careful to project what we've seen these two games into what the Canucks have been this season. Because I don't think this is what they've been. And if you look at their stretch here where they've picked up six uh, points in six straight games, most of the games have been value. So like, I'm not sure I buy into, hey, this is a problem for the team, bad starts, and they're yeah. getting lucky. I mean, they are writing percentage of scoring goals, no doubt about that. And the PDO takes, uh, the PDO crowd uh, is gonna, not going to like the fact <laughs> that the Canucks PDO spiked again uh, after this win in Chicago. But it's one of those things where I, I actually think they've been pretty good in the first period a lot. And I'd be careful to create a narrative based on these two games. And they have managed to score first in 20 of the games so far this season. Yeah. They're 16-4 and four when they score first as well. So The one game where I'd say they scored first in this stretch where they were outplayed was the Minnesota Wild game. The first Minnesota game mm-hmm. when they won 2 nothing and uh, Demko, uh, DeSmith was in that. He was fantastic. You know, made a number of saves early to keep it 0-0 on the Canucks scored against the play. That one I agree with, but that's pretty much it in terms of them scoring first in the stretch where they were outplayed by the opponent. Certainly. So... While we're focusing on the results, obviously, of them you know, getting these points here, when they've scored first, by and large, they've done it so far this season. And, and the point someone was making, it was like, don't play complete games. It, you're right. You know, Tonight was far from a complete game. I also, I, I think it's important to think, to, to remember that it's December. Mm-hmm. Right? I, I don't necessarily need a string of complete games of like nine straight complete games burn yourself out and start looking tough uh and, and ragged in february it's important to, to string the complete games end of march end of april into the playoffs that's when you want to be finely tuned here yeah you're gonna have some slip-ups in the early part of the season and we're not even at the halfway mark they just need to show every once in a while that they can do it and i think you know the tampa florida games you saw a little peak there, and it was okay. You you can get back to this. Obviously, you don't want to see a long string, but like every game is not going to be this thorough playoff intensity, complete effort. Well, yeah, it's an eighty-two game season. 
right? Mm-hmm. And I, I still think the Canucks haven't really peaked as a team in terms of their overall team play. Have they peaked in terms of performances or results, perhaps, in terms of the, the way they're getting results? But I do think they can still get better as a team as well and play a lot stronger. A lot of reaction on the Zadorov uh, thing. Uh, Colin from Caribou says, I think the fight from, was from an accumulation of events and not a direct result of that single hit. With the two-goal lead, I'm okay with it. Uh, Brandon, and um, this one, Jeffro says, was was Zadorov did is good for team camaraderie. And this one here says, I disagree, Sad. It's the Blackhawks. Nucks want to be an upper tier team. Your star players gets hit clean, though. Too many years, the Nucks don't have enough bite. And, uh, and for standing up for the teammates, I bet 100% Talkit loves Zadorov dropping, dropping the gloves. I'm curious if uh, if they ask, they ask about that because the last time something like this happened was against the remember the Flyers where Noel Juleson avenged uh, a clean hit took a penalty and the Flyers scored on it and mm-hmm. post game what Rick Tockett said was you got to be smarter in that situation. All I'm saying is. It was one of those things that can cost you. And we've criticized the opponent for doing those things against the Matt Manker Canucks, and we criticize the Leafs for it. So it's one of those I, things. This doesn't strike me as something that has a right answer because I think everyone's right. Because if, if you if you let it go, look, if, if it's a bad hit, I'm all for jumping in there. Jump in there every time. That guy's taking a penalty. Make sure you do that. On the clean ones, like when we sat here and, and we laughed at the Maple Leafs when they dropped the gloves. Yeah. To go after clean hits, Canucks yeah. players after clean hits. So it, it's only being fair uh, after a clean hit. And yeah, it was a big hit, but it's a clean hit to say, well, you're, you're jumping in and you're stopping the flow of the play to do something. And by the way, like you got kicked out of the game. So clearly, uh, there's rules against doing this. And hey, they got away with it. All I'm saying is, you know, it, yeah, yeah. but they scored in the power play after it was one goal game. But it, it's one I'm of those saying. things that it's. Do you want to see the game just continue? Like, just remove the logos from this and, and don't have your Canucks hat on this. Do you want to see the, the play continue after a clean hit? Or do you want to see a fight? And if, if you're one of the people that says, like, hey, like I want to see my, my players stand up for themselves and, and for their teammates, all right, like, you're not wrong. I would just prefer the other one. Yeah, hey, I'm all for standing up for teammates, especially on, like, if Pedersen was actually hurt or was somewhat questionable, all for it. Mm-hmm. In that situation, I'm not saying don't, make them pay a price take a number wait for another sequence and maybe do it that way instead of being in a situation where you get thrown out of the hockey game a lot of reaction on the text inbox we get to more of those let's go back to the let's go to the phone boards a lot of reaction there as well we have gord and coquitlam on the line gord thanks for calling in what are your thoughts tonight hey guys i understand what you're saying about the clean hit and you know in general i don't necessarily disagree but i think in this situation here when we look at the bigger picture of everything of Canucks establishing their identity as well. Um, I think um, it was a good opportunity for Zordorov to step up, to step up, and to stand up for Pedersen because it just sort of helps to resonate the fact that we have Zordorov, right? Like you wouldn't want Teddy Bluger doing it; it'd be a waste of effort, right? But the fact that it's Zordorov, it's good. And I think there is value in saying, sending a message that you're protecting your star players, just like Luke Shen did uh, for Quinn Hughes in his rookie year, even when Quinn Hughes would trip over an, op- an opposing player. But the fact that Quinn Hughes fell to the ice, Luke Shen went after the other guy when it was not even really his fault, right? And I think on the totality of the, of the situation and that it's Zadorov, I think it's a from a bigger picture. It's a good move. I agree with you. No, like I, I wouldn't want Teddy Bluger 
to all of a sudden jump up or Connor Garland jump up to stand up for Pedersen because he was wrong. Because Pedersen wasn't wrong in that case. It, it was a clean hit. That's all. Hey, Gord, thanks for your phone call. Uh, good thoughts. Fair enough. I mean, I, I get it from a team standpoint. But all I'm saying is they scored on it and made a one-goal game afterwards. That's all. Canucks found a way to win that hockey game. Now, we'll get the thoughts of the head coach. Do you have anything else you want to add to this real quick? No, I was going to say, like, I, I don't think there's a the wrong answer on this. Um, there's some people who sound like, yeah, if you're kidding me about Zadar's fight, that's all about a statement of his contribution to this team. If he hadn't done that fight, his whole contribution would have been in question. That hit was on a key player, and this is the NHL. So, I, I personally would have said, like, hey, let the play continue and keep winning the game. Like His contribution would have been important in the last 15 minutes as well. Yeah, hey, the Canucks won the hockey game, though, and that's kind of been the story. Not perfect, not clean, but they got three out of four points. We'll get to more of your reaction on the text inbox, on the phone boards, and we'll hear from head coach Rick Tockett. That's next on the Canucks Central Post Game Show on the home of your Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Everything Canucks before and after the games. Canucks Central with Dan Riccio and Satyar Shah. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is where you talk Canucks. You're listening to the Canucks Central Post Game Show on the official home of the Canucks. Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Neil's Hoaglander behind his own net. Chased by Nick Foligno. Leaves near corner for Tyler Myers. He'll play it up the wall on the backhand. Out to center for... Brock Besser, left wing into the Chicago zone, shoots, he scores! Besser off the rush, fires it up high past Peter Morazic, and the Canucks strike twice in quick succession early in the second to take their first lead of the afternoon. The Vancouver Canucks playing fast on that play. Tyler Myers flips the puck into the neutral zone. Good job by JT Miller to just chip it forward. Simple play, and Brock Besser does the rest. Brock Bester, 23rd goal of the season, and that is tonight's play of the game brought to you by Delaney's OK Tiger Langley. You are listening to Canucks Central Post Game Show on the home of your Canucks, Sportsnet 650, and the Sportsnet Radio Network brought to you by the number five Orange. And we mentioned that play of the game, uh, Brock Bester getting his third goal, I mean, 23rd goal of the season. And it's remarkable the type of run that Brock Bester has been on, Bick. I mean, uh, he's got 23 and 32 games. He's had 23 goals total. In, in two seasons prior to this, and that was in 2020, 2021, where he had 23 and 56 games. And then the next season, he had 23 and 71 games. Now, he's had more goals and everything, but it just shows you the type of tear that he's been on, that he's getting to these totals only through the 32nd game of the year. And we're talking about a guy who's now tied with Austin Matthews for the goal lead in the National Hockey League. And uh, like Austin and and Langley was, was texting in as uh, the Brockett Richard. <laughs> might, might have to rename it the Brockett Richard if he's able to uh, hold on to this until the end of the season. Yeah, and, and just another confident shot from Brock. Coming downhill, two on one, it's mine the whole way, and picks a spot. And, you know, you, you want to see that type of confidence from a goal scorer. Very similar to some of the ones that he scored early in the season where JT would get the puck along the wall right into the slot and off his stick immediately. So uh, he, he's he's in the flow because he is the flow. Uh, the flow, it is flowing fantastically well. Uh, and, you, you know, it, it, that line in general, they've been looking to try to get it going. And, and today uh, they had Niels Hoaglander on that line. A bit interesting, though, with the deployment because Niels started the game there. But by the time they got into the third period, yeah. they shifted from the, from that trio. So it looks like Hoaglander did not play the final 7-34 uh, and then Kuzmenko did not play the final uh, 1035. 
and Nils Oman also did not play the final 1046. So yeah. those three uh, were the ones that were sat as they were closing out a one-goal lead. Yeah, not, not the best performance from that line, and I think that, that kind of complete performance from that line is still elusive, something that mm-hmm. JT himself has sp- spoken about, but the way Brock Besser is finding the back of the net and scoring, it doesn't seem to matter, and he got another huge goal here for the Canucks, getting them the lead at the time, but you know Chicago came back and they ultimately won the game 4-3. So he ends up tying uh, Matthews for the yep. goal-scoring lead here, so if you want if you want a positive out of this game, there he is, co-leading with the Toronto uh, with the Toronto Maple Leaf. But if you want another positive out of this game, is it, is it Toronto related? It is Toronto. Oh, then I really want it. The Canucks have now passed the Maple Leafs in points percentage. Oh, so there you go. If, if if you're if you're grasping at straws for a positive here today, that's the one you can grasp. Hey on. man, we always say Western Canada's the best, and now the numbers uh, tell that as well. That's best all... coast, best coast. Yeah. Well, so we talk about uh, the play of the game is brought to you by Delaney's OK Tire Langley. Drive through winter with confidence by switching to Toyo Tires, making tires for your road. Visit Delaney's OK Tire today on Fraser Highway in Langley. All right, we mentioned the thoughts of the head coach. Keep getting your thoughts into our text inbox. 656.50. Fired up. I love it. Uh, we'll get to more of that reaction, but let's go to the head coach and see what he has to say. Well, obviously, we didn't like our first, and then the second, I thought, was our best period. So that was a good response. What was it in particular that you liked? Well, I just thought, you know, we talked about holding on to pucks, um, skating, um, you know, you know, just winning some battles. I thought in the first period we were obviously sleepy, but the second period was a big response. Um, and it helped us win the game that second period. Hugh Suter elevated to a top six role. What did you like about the way he played tonight? Yeah, I mean, I, you know, it's, I put him on the wings. You know, he's a centerman, so sometimes we switch it. He was okay. I thought he was okay. Um, it's tough when he's to play center and wing, so we'll experiment. Maybe, uh, you know, whether he's in there the next game or not, I thought he was fine. It's strange, or not strange. It's not common circumstances. The timing of your games this weekend and starting a road trip, cut flying east. Are you concerned about the starts generally? I don't just mean these two games, but are you concerned about your starts? Yeah, I was. Uh, the, you know, the Minnesota game, and then before those games, the I thought at home that we 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 were we, you know we were better. Um, but you know that's you know we got to maybe have to think you know I have to think of different ways to get team ready you know whether it's different stuff in the gym um, you know maybe less me I don't know we we have to yeah definitely address it but I knew after that you know that long flight um, that afternoon against Minnesota afternoon game I knew we were gonna have to use the bench and grind it and uh, you know getting three points out of uh, the two, these two games of the back to back you know. We're happy about getting the points, but we have to clean up our game. How much do you appreciate that even at times when the team is flat, that third line always seems to be pretty consistent? Yeah, they dragged us in the fight. You know, Dakota, uh, Garz, and, and Teddy. I thought Millsy was, had a good game, too. I thought he was one of the guys that dragged us, uh, Zadorov. I thought I, I honestly thought our D were good tonight. I, I, I liked our D. Obviously, Denver always gives you a chance, and I thought there was about four or five guys that... Uh, but you know we got it. You know, like I said, it's a uh, it's good that we got the two points. You don't mind that instigator up two goals in the third. Right. Yeah, I mean, like you know, what he's you know, it's one of your better players gets hit. You know, I think that's something around here that we don't mind that happening. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I mean, I actually like the rule. It's a good rule, you know. And then, but I also like the passion in Z. You talk about stacking shifts often. Is that what was in the second period, stacking shifts and get to game momentum? Well, we had five shifts in a row where we had possession time, and I think that really helped, you know, get our game going, waking some people up. I thought that really, you know, we had some good possessions, some good shots. 
uh, a couple good deflections, you know, things like that really get you back in the game. Is the puck over glass on their second? Yeah, well, you didn't get the. Uh, apparently, I heard after, but uh, we, you know, our guys, we had 45 seconds a minute. We didn't, we didn't have anything, you know, clear. I know Demer, a couple players said it was, but if you don't have, you know, clear cut, <laughs> excuse me, uh, evidence, you can't do it. I, I always think over the glass, that should be an NHL thing. I don't think that's a coach, but that's hopefully I'll bring that up maybe this summer. With the with the delay rule as well, right? Like if on the on a. Puck over glass penalty, that should be automatic too, do you think? I, I think those two, I, I would take it out of the coach's hands because you only have 45 seconds and the poor video guys, you know, they get only so much time and they're trying to get the right feed and, you, you know, there's a lot of different moving parts. So uh, when it comes to those two things, because, you know, you never know in the sake of, you know, it's game seven, you want to make sure on those. Um, but, you know, that's something, you, you know, the GMs will bring up hopefully this summer. Uh, that is Canucks head coach Rick Tockett after the game, and uh, he mentions that on the video replay, and it's something we talked about too, because uh, they were looking to challenge that play, and it seemed like the coach, coaches, and, and that includes Tockett and also uh, Mike Yo, just couldn't get a good visual on it. They kept looking at the video and saying video, looking down to see, and on the replay we saw later, you see the, the, the puck goes up and hits the netting, and I think the coach makes a good point. On a play like that, it shouldn't maybe be up to the coaches to um, challenge that, it should be on, upon review by the NHL itself because it's it's out of play. You know, we're not talking about you know missing a call. It's literally about is the puck in action or not. But I think that's uh, a good explanation, and that's what it seemed like. It seemed like they thought it was out of play, but they couldn't get a visual on it in time to challenge. Certainly felt like when you look at that whole process of the play where the puck gets dumped in and Juleson's waiting for it in the corner and just never arrives, and then it bounces right there, and Chicago's on it ends up being uh, the Felino swipe in. But, yeah, it certainly looked it even in real time just because the physics of the puck didn't make sense and the timing of it. Uh, just unlucky. And, and they looked, they had to rebound. Like, they, they, they had to overcome bad officiating. Yeah. <laughs> they did. They overcame bad officiating. Man, we have a lot of reaction here. 650-650. This one says, uh, this is what a good team does. They win any way possible. I will apologize on the team's behalf for disappointing the great minds of sports intellects at 650. I'm sorry. We'll try to win in a favorable fashion to your liking. Hope that helps. Did we say that they didn't deserve to win this hockey game? I, I think we started the whole show saying, hey, they got their two points. We, we said they on. got three out of four points. Yeah. And they had a bad start to the game. And they came back and won the game. They outchanced them. They were the better team than Chicago. They had some uneasy moments. It wasn't a pretty weekend in terms of hockey, but they got three out of four points. All we're doing is describing what happened. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to sit here and say, oh man, the Canucks outplayed Chicago, start to finish complete 60-minute game, sixty minute performance. It wasn't that. They had a bad first period. The coach himself literally said, didn't like I, our first period. I have to do a better job of preparing our guys. He literally said, we have to do a better job in the first period, especially these past two games. Hey, the game story is the game story. I can't help what happens in the first period. I can't help the Canucks were outshot 10 nothing and they were down one nothing against one of the worst teams in, in the National Hockey League. They had a bad first period. The Canucks came back and won. It wasn't clean, but they won. I, I, I mean, what am I supposed to say? Am I supposed to wave pom-poms and say, you know what? They, they, they won this game 4 nothing, not 4-3, and forget that Chicago scored three goals? I mean, it is what it is. I don't know, oh, I don't know what to say. Sad doesn't like his intellect questioned. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm, <laughs> you, you would mistake me if you uh, would say I'm an intellectual because I'm definitely not. But it's just one of those things. Like sometimes you are intellectually honest. Like, what do you want? Me, what else to say? Like, they literally had a bad first period. The coach literally said, "I don't. We have to do better to start yeah. the first period." They had a bad first, and they came back to win the game. It wasn't pretty, but he got three out of four points. And coach says, "Good that we got the two points." Exactly. Did we say they didn't deserve to win? I don't think that happened. The the best period at, 
any team had was the Canucks' second period. Yeah, it was better than the uh, Chicago's first, and so therein lies the result. The Canucks score three goals in that period. They were better, and they walk out with two points. That's the important thing here. That uh, plus another regulation win. They're strong, strong. Uh, six fifty, six fifty. Uh, back into the inbox. Uh, keep coming with your reaction. Uh, this one, uh, Mike, the urologist from Brockville. They're playing well. Tough weekend, but first games of a road trip. Matinees back to back. Think we got to give them a pass for not playing a solid one hundred twenty minutes. Uh, this one. Uh, I like this text from Rick and Victoria because this is more subjective and it's more open to to debate. Problem I've been noticing is the Canucks, they aren't able to impose their will on another team. It's strange. Rick and Victoria. I mean, hey, uh, did I not spend, what was it, the first like 10 minutes of the postgame show talking about how people are creating narratives about these two games and how they've been having good starts? And then I mentioned the Minnesota game, I mentioned mm-hmm. the Carolina game, the Tampa game, the Florida game, and we're talking about, hey, I'd be careful to take too much out of this start because, hey, they've had other good periods. And I agree with, with that sentiment as well. Like, it, it, it's a thing that you know we've mentioned, though, because to do that, to impose your will, Grab the game by the scruff of the neck and all that sort of stuff. You probably need another player or two. They're just short. It's it's why there's demand of like, oh, Patterson's got to do this. Miller's got to do this. Hughes has not been good in five, six games. It's it's always those three that have to do it. If you have a cast of characters that can do it, five. And it's, it's I know people get mad because I've mentioned, oh, Brock Bester, is he a dynamic player? He's producing, but does is Brock, they need one more player to have the ability to impose their will on the game. Brock leaves an imprint on the box score, but overall, during the flow of play, is he naturally going to do something that independently swings the game? No, he's a very cerebral player, very smart player, and I love his game, absolutely. But they absolutely need one more player that's in the Miller-Pedersen mold of a top, top line player that can do exactly what Rick and Victoria is talking about. You get one more guy, then it's another person that can flip the game on his own. It's going to become a lot easier for the Canucks. That you're not always going to have games like today because it's another player that can do it himself at times. Yeah, It's it's missing. It, it's going to take time to acquire. I'm not saying tomorrow they need it. But it is noticeable at times that they have to scrape and claw and do all these things that are difficult rather than it's being, oh, that guy's really talented and he can swing the game on his own. It, it it is it is noticeable at times that and it, it should be noted too that they are going to need to correct that at some point. Yeah, it's one of those things that that they have to do uh, in terms of how this game went though and, and how they played. One guy was getting uh, a lot of mentions in the text inbox, and the coach mentioned how he thought the defense played well. Mike and Tawasson, um and uh, somebody else texted in as well. Uh, you mentioned Mike, uh, the urologist from Brockville, about Noah Juleson's play. He's been really stabilized the t- past ten games. I think Noah Juleson's a guy that. If you want to look at a real positive from an individual player who's really emerged and coming along really well, I think Newell Juleson has been fantastic recently. I think it's the other demon that played really fantastic. Like I think Zadorov, Myers, uh, Juleson, Cole were really strong tonight. Mm-hmm. Hughes and Ronick, the first goal, that goal is almost entirely on them. Hronik has his struggles moving the puck twice on that play, the first Felino goal, because JT Miller wins the draw, and it goes to Quinn Hughes, he gives it to Hronick, he flubs it, goes up the wall, Chicago stays in the zone. Hronick gets it, loses a battle behind the net to Anderson, and Quinn Hughes can react faster, gets to, starts moving towards the net, but leaves the lane for Nick Felino to 
enter in front of the net and get position on him. As we talked about in the first admission, it'd be one thing if Felino was just stronger than Quinn Hughes. You'd understand that because there's a size difference. It would make sense. But Felino just takes the space that Hughes affords him and gets position, is able to turn that puck in. I, I, I think those two guys, to me, tonight... Uh, had their struggles. Well, they, I mean, you mentioned the first goal, both guys, right? And also going back to the game against Minnesota, the only goal that was scored five on five was with mm-hmm. uh, Hughes and Hironik being on the ice. We mentioned it was also the JT Miller line. Same thing again on that first goal here uh, today in Chicago. It was Hoaglander not coming back and protecting the middle of the ice. This one, though, was very much more on the two defensemen. You know, Hironik giving a giveaway. Hughes getting out-muscled a couple times. That D pair hasn't quite been at the level that we were accustomed to seeing. But the funny thing is, though, and Reach mentioned this on the pregame show when we spoke about, hey, they've struggled by their standards recently. After tonight, they're still plus six when it comes to um, goals for and against even strength over the past uh, month. So as much as they've had their struggles, they're still coming ahead uh, in the aggregate. Keaton, uh, the additional player you're talking about is Kuzmenko, just to let you know. Uh, too bad he's not performing his peak right now. Hopefully they'll get it going by the end of the season and ready for the players uh, playoffs. I think it's a player better than that. Well, I think overall you'd like to add, even if even if Kuzmenko is going, you probably want to add somebody else because I'm still looking at yeah. Kuzmenko as being a part of this team. But I do think when it comes to Kuzmenko, the biggest question, you know, we can sit here and talk about he's really good, but he when can is he be gonna, a goal scorer. He can, but also when is he going to be able to regain the trust of the head coach? I, and I think that's the bigger question I have about it. I, I, the, these players that I'm talking about, they're very difficult to come by. Extremely difficult to come by. But there's maybe 30, 35, like true top line forwards. That's really about it. And that's kind of the the profile of what the Canucks need one more player like that. If one of them becomes available, wouldn't be opposed to trying to be aggressive and go after him. Yeah, and I, I just think the question is who comes available and what mm-hmm. caliber player is that, ultimately. Uh, keep your thoughts coming into our text inbox, 650-650. We'll keep going through it uh, as the show goes on here. Uh, one of the things that I wanted to also bring up here uh, to talk about is Elias Patterson. We spoke about how last game, a lot of people were texting in about Elias Pettersson and, and not happy with his performance, talking about he's not a guy that should get paid $11, 12000000 million. And the point that I made about him was, yes, he hasn't played at his best, but he's still t- 10 points in the last 10 games. That included the game against Minnesota. So as much as people want to see him uh, perhaps get reprimanded for his performances, there's a huge bottom line. And, and today, he doesn't get an assist um, on the Mikheyev goal, but he's in front. Uh, he, he makes a great play on the zone entry earlier on, on that play. He scores on the power play. Uh, I, I want to be careful and not say Pedersen's back to being peak Pedersen, mm-hmm. but I thought today's performance was really strong, and that was they had the Canucks' best line today. Hughes, uh, Pedersen with uh, Hugh Suter um, and Ilya Mikheyev, to me, was the Canucks' best line. More than the Garland line again? I thought so. Uh, five on five, I thought they were the better line. I like Dakota Joshua and what Garland did. Mm-hmm. I thought that line controlled it a lot better. I thought they were better defensively, too. I, got, I didn't notice a single time that the Pedersen line was hemmed in her own zone. That's fair. And he does get the goal as well in the power play. And I like the fact that he forced a shot. You know, he's so particular so often the time about wanting in a certain way, make sure his timing is good on that shot. You, you watch it. He's, he's kind of just muscling it towards the net on that one. It's not as, you know, naturally clean from an Elias Pettersson on that one timer. You know, the the goal's wide open, so you know forces that one. But 
No, it, it's good that he was willing to take that shot on. But more of an Ovi mentality. That's what we need to see on the power play, certainly, uh, from Elias Pettersson when you have a weapon like that shot. Yeah, no, it's when he can get going like that, it's a big one. Do you think that Pew Suter can stick there for a while? I know we want to see Kuzmenko get back up there at some point. Do you think Pew Suter can hold on to that spot a bit longer? He's he, he's just such a smart player. It, that's the thing that's going to keep him there, maybe over Kuzmenko. Not to say Kuzmenko's not an intelligent player. It's just, you know... Right away, it did look like there's a little bit of a fit there for Suter. Mm-hmm. Naturally, can can play as the the F two in that spot with McKayev kind of being the hard charger uh, to to go retrieve pucks. I still wonder if if a, a top six version of McKayev, Lafferty, Suter, Besser works with with Miller and, and Pedersen. Put whichever wingers wherever. Uh, I, I wouldn't. I, I would like to see that tried at some point. But Suter certainly uh, is, is making it tough for someone like uh, Kuzmenko to reclaim his spot in the top six because Suter can shoot the puck too. Yeah, no, I think he can. And uh, there's a lot of things I like about his game. His ability to win faceoffs, add another centerman to the line too, which makes it um, in case somebody get, gets kicked out or doesn't have a strong game, uh, you have a little bit of extra help there as well. So Pew Suter, solid game so far today. Uh, a lot of reaction on the text inbox, Bick. What, what are you flagging down? Because I don't want to keep going off here. Cole Harbor Hayden, who's a uh, right winger pylon. We, we always ask you for your player type. Send them in. 650-650. after leading after the second. How's that for building a good team brand? Such a departure from what we've seen. It's, it's one of the biggest turnarounds. You know, we can talk about the PK. That's got to improve all these things that have to improve from seasons past. This, to me, is the most stunning one. 18-0-0. It's unbelievable. When the Canucks are leading after two periods... They're walking out with the regulation win. Yeah. It's, it's, it's been so strong. Yeah. I mean, the only time it got dicey was uh, when uh, Chicago made it 4 3 on the power play they got after Zadorov's uh, game misconduct. And after that, it was a few chances, but that's pretty much the only time you felt in the third that, okay, maybe, maybe Chicago can do something here. But Vancouver did a fantastic job, five on five, limiting any real scoring chances. Alex from the WAC, 7 2 and 1 in our last 10, 44 points. After 32 games, something I never would have considered at the start of the season. 650, 650. Uh, and this one, uh, C-L-I-N-I-C. Clinic on how to protect the lead. That one is from Ian. Five on five, I agree. Um, I mean, the only thing they, they got was on the power play. Like Did I spell that five. correctly? I'm not sure if I spelled that correctly. What, clinic? C-L-I-N-I-C. Yeah, that's correct. All right. If you can't spell clinic, there's a problem. I, I wasn't sure if I screwed it up. <laughs> No, it's not too bad. Uh, this one here is, uh, we were talking about Pedersen. This one says, Pedersen is not doing much, to be honest. Look at Bedard, guys. He's much more dominant than Pedersen. The kid, kid is 18. I, I, to me, that's just like false. Uh, Pedersen is up to, what, 30, uh, 39 points on the season now. Uh, he's got 12 goals. Tonight, for instance, and I thought Con- Connor Bedard on the power play looked good. He had some scoring chances and everything. But so Connor Bedard, when it came to shots for and against, he was only his his line when he was on the ice only controlled twenty seven percent of the shots. When it came to scoring chances, there were seven against, only two four for Connor Bedard. Now look at at Elias Pettersson tonight. Controlled eighty four percent of the shots when he was on the ice. The scoring chances were eight one and four nothing in high danger scoring chances. And again, some of this stuff isn't fully accurate. But in terms of how I watched the game and how I saw things, yeah, you know, maybe Bedard handled the puck more, got a few more chances. But in terms of playing a complete impactful game, I think Pedersen was good. And I get it when Pedersen 
you know, isn't playing and doing dominant things, people look at it and say, hey, is he the same player or not? But look at the bottom line. Like, even if he is struggling, so to speak, he's playing well defensively. He was fantastic defensively yesterday against Minnesota, the Canucks' best defensive forward. And today, he was fantastic as a two-way player as well. So I do think sometimes people want to see flash and daz, pizzazz, and we don't see all that. They're like, man, uh, is, is this guy playing well or not? He played a responsible, strong, clean game. Uh, sometimes I think people twist themselves into pretzels trying to criticize Elias Pettersson. Uh, eight shot attempts for Elias Pettersson, seven for Bedard. They were both uh, very good. Yeah, active. Pedersen's just not from Vancouver, that thing. Yeah, I suppose. But I will say, Bedard was good tonight. The, the, the play we talked about, uh, the assist on the yeah, second... Yeah, he's a fantastic, power play goal. Player. Or sorry, no the doubt. second Felino goal. Such a smart play. Because uh, he sees Cole jump to the bumper, and it's the shot right away. Felino's behind Cole, and there it is there for uh, Connor Bedard's assist. Yeah, no, fantastic work there. All right, now keep your thoughts coming into our text inbox. Six oh, plus he diced them on the, uh, uh, the Gutman goal. Yeah. Sorry, what was that guy's name? Yeah, Gutman. Gutman. Yeah. Sound like Abe Froman from Chicago. Yeah, he, well. he made a great play. On, I mean, he, he's an f- incredible talent. It's a fair There's no doubt reference. I don't know if you caught that. Abe Froman. No, I don't remember that one. Oh. I don't remember names. I'm really bad with uh, names from movie characters. I remember movies. I'm the really Sausage bad with... King of Chicago? Sausage King of Chicago. Abe Froman? No, nothing. No, no. All right. Doesn't resonate. Bueller? I haven't watched that movie in a while. Bueller? <laughs> Bueller, definitely Bueller. I know that one. Okay, no, no love on the sports game show. Uh, how would you compare this team to the 2011 team? So some Canucks fans are getting hyped. It's not all criticism into our text inbox. I think the 2011 team would win. In a seven-game series? In a seven-game series, quite handily. <laughs> I would say so. Uh, Jake and Kamloops, Canucks haven't had a start or a season like this in so dang long. Can't we just enjoy the ride? No, I mean, I don't disagree with enjoying the ride. Listen, for, for me, what I try to do is tell you the game story. How did the game go? What they did well, what they didn't do well, that's it. In terms of what people are criticizing for, sure, whatever. Oh, man. So that's worked up. Just gotta be careful. One more text and it might send me off the off the edge. The hair is raising. It is. I got a haircut yesterday. It's already growing like four inches. All right. Uh, keep your thoughts coming into our text inbox six fifty six fifty. You can grab a phone line as well six zero four two eight zero zero six fifty. We'll hit more of your reaction. More more player audio as the Canuck Central post game show rolls on. Presented by the number five orange of Vancouver legend, and they've got sports too right here on the home of your Canucks Sportsnet six fifty. Talking all Canucks all the time. It's Canucks Talk with Jamie Dodd and Thomas Drance. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Canucks Central Post Game Show. Join the discussion on the official home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. On to the puck, to Besser's side of the net, back to Miller, one-timer blocked by Connor Murphy. Hironic gets it back, the five-on-three is over, Canucks still on the power play. Left circle, Miller, right side, Pedersen, he scores! One-timer from the near face-off dot as he beat a sprawling Peter Morazic, and the Canucks get a goal on the man advantage to tie the game at one, with 1.45 left in the first. Aggressive from the Vancouver Canucks on the power play here, as JT Miller finds Elias Pedersen, to the left of Morazic, just waiting for that puck. And the key to this is that previously, JT Miller ends up taking a shot. Connor Murphy blocks it, is hurt, is not able to move around very much. So the middle of that passing lane is wide open where JT finds Elias Pettersson, and he hammers it home. Morazic wasn't that far off with the glove hand, but now it's a tie game, 1-1. 
Canucks go on to win 4-3 over the Blackhawks in Chicago. Pick up three out of a possible four points on the weekend. And this is the Canucks Central Post Game Show on the home of your Canucks. Sports in the 650 presented by the number 5 Orange. It's Satin Bick. Uh, keep your thoughts coming into our text inbox. 650-650. Uh, train in the Ridge. Uh, how about this one in terms of um, a uh, blast from the past? Suter is what we all hoped Anton Rodin was going to be. And Suter can take advantage of the playmaking of Elias Pettersson. How about that for, for, a, uh, for a blast from the past? Anton Rodin. Oh, man. The, the Anton Rodin reference catches at plus 9,000. Was Connor Bedard even born when Anton Rodin was uh, drafted by the Vancouver Canucks? He was. He was. He clearly was. Remember that time Anton Rodin had a broken foot or whatever and he had to sit on the bench the whole game? <laughs> I can't believe we're doing Anton Rodin discussions. Uh, that's it. Uh, here's a positive one. Phil says, I think after today's win, the only question is how many losses the Canucks get in the playoffs as they win 16 games in the <laughs> Cup. I'm thinking 16 and 7. That's basketball, Phil. So there you go. Here's some hype. There's a blast from the past, and there's some positivity. Not just all negative. Oh, man. Go. All right. Can I read a couple here? <laughs> yes. Go ahead. More real ones, at least. Uh, actually, all the texts are real. But I'm saying. <laughs> what real ones? What you, what, with chat GPTs texting in? Uh, Ron from Montreal. When is Susie coming back? How will that affect uh, the mix on defense? So six weeks on the timeline would be Christmas Eve, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. So it, six to eight. So, you know, at, at the very least, I would project the new year. Yeah. I mean, I would expect sometime, I'd say about mid-January to be safe. Yeah. That's kind of where I'm looking. I don't think the Canucks have been very conservative with injuries so far. Even with Pew Suter, the coach mentioned he's been cleared to play, but they wanted to give him an ample practice time and runway before he came back into the lineup. And I would imagine it's the same thing for Carson Soucy. So I would I would hedge on the longer end of the six to eight weeks as opposed to the shorter end. And as far as how that affects the mix, I think Noah Julston's the one that most likely comes out in that scenario. But he's been playing well, which is a fantastic development. Uh, this one. Uh, 650-650. I just lost it. Uh, oh, uh, Brett in Winnipeg, who's a third-pair transition D-man. Uh, thank you for shutting that, but Dart is more dominant than PD nonsense down. <laughs> My good. goodness. See, I can be positive. Yeah, there you there go. You go. Uh, this one. Uh, what do you think would be better for the Canucks for a deep playoff run? Finishing two or three in the division and playing either Vegas or LA or finishing in a wild-card spot and p- playing either Colorado or Dallas? So, uh, okay. I think we've we've hit this before, mm-hmm. and I'll, it, bear, it bears repeating, at least the way I view it. And yes, if you want to look at it in terms of get, getting lining up ideal opponents and everything, sure, maybe it would be easier if, if it went down that Colorado way. Colorado technically third right now in right. the Central. Yeah, technically. So, But I'm very much team. Play as well as you can. Get as yeah. many wins as you can. And finish the season as high in the standings as you can. And if you're a team that can do something, you'll do something against good teams anyways. Exactly. You know, like, if you have to face a good opponent in the first round, take that as a massive challenge. And what if you beat a great opponent in the first round? How does that catapult you for the rest of the playoffs? That's how I view it. You ha- if you want to win the cup or go deep in the playoffs, you're you going to have to play a good team eventually. you got to beat good teams anyway. Rise to the biggest challenge. Exactly. I- I'm-, I'm not big on that. Like, I'd rather see this yeah. team win as many games as possible, play as well as possible, and then take on a big opponent if if they have to. And if that means you're playing Vegas or if that means you're playing L.A. in the first round because you're finishing second or third in the division, so be it. Take that challenge head on. Uh, this one, 650-650, Dan R. It's too bad Besser is scoring so much. Now they're going to have to pay him more. So I actually happen to be looking at this anyways this week mm-hmm. of contract comparables for Brock Besser. As far as you know, comps. 
Oh man, it's tough, man. He he scores too it's, much. It's in an area now where it's going to be difficult for him to not score forty. Yes. Right, fifty games to go for him to get seventeen goals. And in today's NHL, if you get forty goals, of the guys recently who have scored forty goals before their twenty eighth birthday, and not have a contract signed, right? Like for Hagee has done it, yeah. Kempe has done it, McCann's done it. They already had their deal signed, so those guys aren't really comps because they signed it after they they scored the forty after they had signed. The guys that have done it, like Meyer, Forsberg, Skinner, Anders Lee. And on a, I'm not saying they're similar players, okay? But on a points-per-game basis through their career, Brock Besser has a very similar scoring rate as Mark Stone. It's .84 for Stone, .81 for Besser per game. And how much is Stone signed for? $9.5 million. Now, Stone's defensive game is He's, miles ahead. Again, we were talking about like one of those rare 30 players in the league that are top. Like Mark Stone's one of those guys. So he's not going to be in Mark's, Mark Stone's uh, but tax bracket at the very high end of if it? If I'm his agent, I'm saying, like, hey, look at the scoring rates. Very similar. Very similar. I'm trying to shoehorn that that uh, precedent in. Well, how about this one? Uh, Timo Meyer. Yeah, Timo Meyer, Forsberg, Skinner, Lee. I think those are the four guys I look at. So, you know, uh, if you look at Timo Meyer's production, Goals per game and points per game, Brock Besser has better for his career. Slightly higher goals per game for his career and slightly higher points per game for his career. Now, that does not mean that teams look at Besser as Timo Meyer and say that they want a power player Mm -hmm. like him that skates well and can do all these things. Now, Meyer struggled this year. He hasn't been at his best since going over to New Jersey, but he got $9 million per season. So let's just say that, okay, he's not a $9.5 million player. He's not quite a $9 million player despite him having slightly better production or significantly better production point-wise, I'd say, even from, than Timo Meyer. But if those guys get a 9-9.5, Brock scores 35-40, he's talking about 8, 8.5 maybe. Yeah. And I'm not sure Vancouver's willing to pay that. And how willing is Brock to take a huge discount? Dan from Van says uh, Besser owes us money from last year, so maybe he takes a discount. <laughs> that's that's not really how it works. That's not how it works, exactly. It's, it's good text. It's funny. But... You go to your boss and, and do that same sales pitch, see if that works. It's not Be like, work. you know what? Last Wednesday, I wasn't really onto it. I <laughs> took I took an hour and 12-minute lunch instead of an hour. So here's $14, whatever it is. <laughs> that's not really how it works. <laughs> but... But I see you working. Yeah, I see you working. I see, I but again, j- just for those guys, Meyer got seventy point four million total money over eight yeah. years. Forsberg got sixty eight million. Jeff Skinner got seventy two million. Anders Lee got forty nine million. The baseline of that is seven million dollars for Anders Lee. You're, you're looking at like eight and a half million dollars right now. Yeah, it, that's kind of how it's trending, and, and that's why, like I mentioned, it's if. Can Brock Besser be your highest paid winger on a, on a team that wants to contend for a cup? Now, the thing with Besser is he has one more year on his contract yeah. beyond this. So it's, it's not a pressing issue as in today. But when guys put together these types of seasons, it changes the tax bracket they're looking at for yep. their next contract. And that's just the reality of kind of what happens. And maybe the best thing to do is follow what this text says when it comes to Brock Besser. Because he may price himself out. Let's enjoy this season. Worry about the cap totally. with Besser in 2025, 20, 2026. Because it's a problem for then. But it will be a problem for then because yes, he might be pricing 100%. himself out, right? And I want to be clear about something, too, because I know we've been uh, labeled as sometimes, you know, trying to run some people out of town, especially Us? last year. Yeah. Who? I'm just oh, saying. former captain? Yes. Oh, okay. I want to be very clear. I think we're right something. on it. Oh, never mind. <laughs> never I mind. just want to be very clear with this. I'm way too cantankerous right now. I absolutely <laughs> love Brock Brester's game. Like, the way he's playing right now in that second line role yeah. with, with Miller, it's like he's, he's doing everything, and I love for Brock Besser to be here but like the the equation is getting different every time he scores goals it does and it's just like 
realities change. They do. Uh, let's squeeze in one phone call here before we get to Ian McIntyre. We're going to be done at four today because we have Giants hockey coming up next. But let's get to the phone boards. Let's go to Tambir and Surrey. Tambir, what's going on, man? Uh, what are your thoughts tonight? Uh, you guys got me clearly. I'm driving, so just want to make sure that yeah, we're good. We're good. We're good. We're good. You guys got me. Yeah, we yeah, got we you, got man. You. Go ahead. Can you hear us? I don't think he can hear us. Maybe your Bluetooth All right. is connected. Is, is it is it good go. now? Do you have him? Do you have him, Eddie? Can you hear us? No, we're good. Ah, too bad. Not Didn't competing hard out. enough. <laughs> so remember, Kevin Woodley had Bluetooth problems. Uh, maybe this is a Bluetooth problem. Can you hear me? Can you maybe. hear me now? Maybe a Verizon commercial yeah. from back in the day. Maybe he was trying to do uh, Ferris Bueller again. Is it Bueller? Bueller? <laughs> <laughs> He's somebody who, uh, who who got the reference at the very least, yeah. it seems like. Um, but yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, man, some funny text, I will say. Some funny text. Uh, I'll read this one. Uh, this uh, Anytime Bedard gets the puck, it's actually scary. It feels like this is... Uh, Feels like he's always going to do something impactful, but when Pedersen gets the puck, you know it's going to be a pass. No one's saying that we aren't happy about them winning, but at this point, we're going to the playoffs, and if that's the case, we can't come out and let a team like Chicago dominate us like that in the first. <laughs> that was probably the worst first of the season. We also probably know Bedard wanted us to win that game, just saying. Well, not so much. Connor Bedard's competing for uh, the Chicago Blackhawks. Uh, he's doing his thing uh, for Chicago, but they have 50 games to change your mind, right? I, I don't think you need the Game 7 performance tonight. Yeah, I, I'd say... If they needed to play like a, it was a Game 7 against Chicago, that would have been worrying. It's an 82-game season. And again, like, you know, somebody was ripping us for saying, oh, why aren't you guys more sunshine and rainbows uh, with the performance today? It's like, well, it wasn't a clean performance, not a good first period. But I'm not going to sit here and say, you know, the, you need to worry about this long term. It's just the story of this game and how things go. And the man who was there to watch it happen is Ian McIntyre. He now joins us. We call him the triple threat for a reason. You hear him on radio, you watch him on TV, you read him on digital. Not a clean performance by Eddie either. (laughs) What's going on, Ian? We're just going to get you on here. The music's not working today. It's all good. Well, that's fine. I don't always need music. It's just a sign of respect. So if you want to disrespect me, that's okay. I'm, it's it's I'm okay. Uh, What what did you think, Ian? Because we're up against a clock. You guys got me. We do. Can you hear us? Ian can't hear us either. Something is going on with the phone boards. Oh, can you hear us? He can't hear us. This All is, right, maybe we don't have it, uh, Ian. I mean, we're only a, a broadcast, you know, network. Whoops. All right. Well, then my apologies to Tanbeer then, because we we threw him under the bus and we're like, oh, your phone's not competing. Uh, we're getting a. Uh, this one says two minutes with delay of post game. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. That was a good text. Puck over class. Puck over class. I yeah. don't know. Uh, <clears throat> Call over. I don't know. There's a joke. No, there. delay a game is good. Yeah. yeah, two minutes of delay a game. There's Inadequate. A joke. Yeah. Mike and Tawasin. Dollywall intercepted Tambier's phone. <laughs> 650, 650. Uh, Ryan. Fellow has a great win on the road today on a tough back to back. Nooner, for those Kuzmenko fans, if you watch him play defense carefully, you will understand why he will continue to play on the fourth line and not see the ice in the third when it matters, when his man has the puck. Instead of skating through him like he's taught, he stands there beaver tailing a stick to no effect. It's not a Division 10 beer league game. Pros are not going to get phased by the beaver tailing. Yeah, the beaver tailing is something that uh, he does pros it a lot. Yeah, pros don't love it. All right, let's bring Ian in. Ian, I think you can hear us now, right? I can. Oh, very good. See what happens when the music doesn't play? The whole (laughs) segment collapses. The equilibrium was uneven. Yes, good word. Thank you. Now, (laughs) 
<laughs> in terms of this game, and I saw you tweet because you're in Chicago watching. You mentioned how the Canucks looked awful in the first. What did you think of the way they were able to kind of get their game back on track? Well, they they were polar opposites in the second, and it, and it's hard with a team like Chicago that's you know such a bad team that got a lot of players in, in their lineup right now with injuries as well. Um, you know, so they they probably go through a lot of mood swings in in their games, but I thought the Canucks, uh, as bad as they were, as bad as they looked in the first period, uh, I thought they were excellent in the second, and they came out right away. They they got the goal from the third line, uh, another beautiful play by Garland to set up another goal by by Joshua. And that, that line also had some zone time, and, and suddenly the Canucks started owning the puck and playing in the Chicago end. I, I had a quick look before I came on, and the scoring chances were 12-2 in the second period for Vancouver. So they kind of took over the game. Uh, I'm not exactly sure what to think of the Zadorov uh, instigator, and it led to a goal that made the game very close uh, the rest of the way. Uh, but I do know to think that Zadorov is going to be a great teammate to these guys. And I did talk to Pedersen after the game, and he appreciated what Nikita did. So in the end, you know, it's 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 a really funny start to the trip uh, with the timing of the games and the travel uh, and the fact they're back-to-back. Um, so I think, you know, taking three out of four points when clearly the team wasn't at their best is – is a pretty good accomplishment for the weekend and and they're going to need to play better against Nashville and probably better still against Dallas if they want to win those games. But at least, at least they have uh, some credit in the bank uh, halfway through the trip. You can imagine, you know, how different a feeling it would have been had they lost today and they they had one point from the first two games. So I think good for them for, for, um, you know, managing their way through it and, playing well when they needed to play well. We always ask you about Canuck stuff. I'll, I'll ask you about a Chicago thing. What are your first impressions of Connor Bedard? Oh, just so dangerous with the puck. Uh, and also for a guy, and, and, you know, full disclosure, I know everybody's a Connor Bedard expert. I'm not, right? I cover the NHL. So, I mean, I saw him play for Canada. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you, you couldn't you couldn't escape his highlights when he was playing in junior because he was such a gifted player. But for a guy where the book on him was, you know, tremendous with the puck, but maybe his skating has to get better. I think it's pretty good. He was he was getting around the ice really well, but so good with the puck. I think he's going to be a massive goal scorer in this league because, well, we saw the the, the goal he scored against Edmonton the other night. His his release is so quick. And he seems to never, or at least tonight, what I was seeing, he never just fired a straight-on shot that was obvious. Obvious. Everything was, uh, you know, a slight delay or a slight drag to change the angle, and then he just gets it away uh, so quickly and so heavily. He's going to be, he's going to be a fabulous, fabulous player, and maybe will be the best BC player in the NHL. Yeah, it may be that pretty quickly, actually, too, with with how things are going. Uh, and you uh, gotta, Sam Reinhardt's having a pretty good year. Uh, uh, by next year, uh, you know what? I, I would I would wager that by next year, we'd feel pretty confident saying that Bedard's the best player out of BC. All right. I tell you what. I'll have a friendly wager with you right now, Sat. Okay. That 
through next season, so this season and next, that Sam Reinhart will outscore Connor Bedard. So, I mean, com- including this year, Reinhart's like, what, yes. 13 points ahead of him right now, right? Yes. Okay. Yes. Right. You get the lead. You get the lead for it then. That's okay. Bick, we'll it sound, sounds like Sad is waffling. No, Bick is putting it down in his spreadsheets right now. That's what oh, he's doing. Okay. Right. He's marking right. it down. Yeah, he's marking, marking it down. down. He's, got the, he's got this big black book that he pulls out of his briefcase <laughs> yeah. to record all the wagers, right? The okay. big ledger. <laughs> he's yeah. got a massive ledger. <laughs> The ledger. Yeah. Um, you, you know, you kind of you touched on it. You said, hey, uh, the start of this road trip here, it hasn't been uh, the cleanest performances, but all that matters on road trips, especially when travel is tough and you're playing back-to-backs early games, is getting those results. So how, what do you expect to see here then? They have a day in between. They play on Tuesday, then they play on Thursday. What do you expect to see against Nashville and then against the Dallas Stars the rest of this trip for this to, to be well, successful? Surely they're, surely they're going to start better. And I know, don't call you Shirley. But surely they're going to start better. <laughs> against Nashville because, you know, you, you heard what Rick Tockett said yesterday in Minnesota that he was pretty confident the team's legs would be better in Chicago, and they certainly were not in the first period. In fact, they were probably more leaden in Chicago at the start than they were in Minnesota. I talked to Ian Cole after. Of course, Ian Cole's seen it all, done it all, been on a lot of successful teams. And he's not, you know, those older guys, they don't use excuses for things. Like, they they know what's real and they know what's imagined uh, when it comes to factors. And he said it is tough playing the second matinee on a back-to-back after the first matinee because although you get into the next city at a reasonable hour and you get a good night's sleep, your preparation is still different for the game and you don't you know there's no pregame naps when you're playing when you're playing a one o'clock or two o'clock game so he thought that everything just felt a little bit off but you know he also acknowledged that uh the team did a great job turning things around the second period he also made made the the argument that although there was you know 12 one in shots i think at one point um he thought although there were some breakdowns and they need to be better with the puck at times, he didn't think there was a whole lot of great A's in there. And I think the fancy stats kind of bear that out. So there was a lot of volume and Demko was very sharp and he was, he was their best player in the first period. But uh, from Cole's perspective, they were kind of um, retrenching there and just weathering the storm a bit until they got their, got their feet moving in the second period. And they were pretty good from, from that point on. Uh, we're gonna put a bit of a time limit on you on on this answer again. We got about ninety seconds left here. Uh, but thoughts of uh, Pew Suter's uh, first cameo in the top six? Well, first of all, Bick, I'm glad you brought it up because it gives me the opportunity to say this and write this in the ledger. I know it's not it's not a bet, but it's worth noting. He's okay. feverishly noting it right now. Bick, comma, you were right because you asked me last night about the possibility would Suter help mm. that line. And I said, I didn't think the way that Lafferty had been playing, that he would be coming off that line. And, and you were right. I was wrong. You can add the I was wrong part. I know you said 90 seconds, so now I'm down to 45. <laughs> uh, I, thought, I, thought he was, I thought he was good. And, you know, especially uh, the goal that he helped create, where he got uh, elbowed in the chops uh, on a face-off, no penalty. I think it was by Donato. And he sort of looked at the referee, and then he put his head down and went and chased the puck and just just lifted it off the Chicago defenseman. It was it was ridiculous how how easy he made it look that turnover, and they got a goal. 
and I think there's there's a higher skill level to him than Lafferty, but I, I just think Lafferty is such a good, versatile player, and as far as getting to pucks and, and forechecking, he, you know, Lafferty's going to help wherever he plays. But I thought it was, I thought it was fine. I, you know, Suter brings a lot of experience and maybe a little higher skill level than, than Lafferty, but uh, I don't, I don't really see that as a long-term fit. I think they're going to want to have Suter at center. Yeah, I mean, they have versatility to get through certain spots, but I'm with you. I think ultimately we'll see him back at center, but it's, fa- it's nice to see them having different options that they can use up and down the lineup when need be. But Ian... Uh, yeah, and, yeah, go and, ahead. And I know you got to go, but I mean, keep in mind, these we're seeing these options this weekend because the mm-hmm. team has been flat. You know, if yeah. things were going great, we wouldn't be seeing these changes. So when things start to go great again, we, we may see a reversion. Yeah, and, and the funny thing is they're not playing at their best, but they've picked up points in six straight games, five of those being victories. And the tail of this season, the Canucks having a fantastic campaign so far. Ian, great stuff as always. Look forward to reading your latest on sportsnet.ca, and we look forward to our chat, as always, on the postgame show coming up next Tuesday in Nashville. All right, guys, I'll look forward to that, and I'll be home for that. I'm coming home tomorrow. Oh, so. fantastic. Great. I'll be on my home phone uh, on we, Tuesday night. We look forward to it. Thanks so much, so much for your time and, and coming on earlier today. All right, see you guys. You got it. That is Ian McIntyre. Great stuff as always. And you are listening to the Canucks Central Post Game Show on the Hormier Canucks Sports and 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. And it's presented by the number five or orange. So the game is over, but is your night really done? The number five is open. Now, Bick, before we wrap up and get out here, um, and obviously going to be a lot of discussions around this team tomorrow heading into uh, the People Show, Canucks Central as well. What's kind of your, your, your takeaway? The Canucks are sitting here through 32 games, right? Look at just the point totals. They have 44 points in 32 games so far this season. Season. I mean, they, they have 50 games remaining on the campaign. They get 52 points. They're getting to 90. The takeaway is get to the new year and let's start ramping it up in in between or, or after that road trip uh, in early January. If, if it doesn't ramp up by then, then I think there's cause for concern about is, is this real? But I want to see what the next level is. Yeah, sorry, if they get 50 points in the last 50 games, they get to 94 mm-hmm. points. Shows you how far they've come and how little they have to do. But thanks for listening, participating. Vancouver Giants hockey is next on the home of your Canucks. And thanks to Fast Eddie Gregory on Sportsnet 650.